You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Here we go. Jackson for his tight end, brought in by Mark Andrews, who escapes and goes all the way for the touchdown. Intercepted, picked up by Thomas. Earl Thomas with a foot race. Brown won't get him. That will be six. Running a little option. Jackson keeps. Jackson breaks the tackle. He's right to the pylon, and it's a touchdown. Welcome to another episode of Pod Like a Raven. I am Antonio Barbera. Joined. Exciting. Football is starting to happen. We have some football news to talk about. Players are in the building. We're getting closer to a season, probably. Without fans, probably. And we're just so far for now, everything's going to work out just okay. I'm joined. First of all, in uh, in Deep Creek, Maryland, this time by Tim Horsey. Tim, it's pouring rain in D.C. How's it looking out uh, out west, western Maryland? Uh, it is a little cloudy, but I've got fresh mountain air. I'm down by the lake every day, just getting out of the tiny shoebox that I normally live in. This is week two. We were only supposed to be up here for a week, and then said, "Screw it, we're coming up here for it, or we're staying through this next week because it's just so great having space." And, uh, and outside and things that, you know, I wasn't accustomed to back in the nation's capital. So I'm doing really, really well. And on the West Coast, Jace Evans. Jace, I assume it's like just, just sunny and nice outside. What, like 78 or something? Uh, I think it's like literally exactly that. It was supposed there to you go. There you go. Uh, get up there. It was actually in the 60s several days uh, last week. Uh, it had a cool spell out here, so... Uh, can't complain in that regard. It's uh, yeah, another beautiful day here in paradise. So, <laughs> so we have obviously switched over the summer to a uh, episode every two week schedule, and with these two week spaces, 
things are happening. There's more news. The first thing I want to get into quickly is the reason I say the NFL is happening is because about, I want to say about 10 days ago, uh, the NFL Players Association approved the NFL proposal for this upcoming season, meaning that we are officially go for the NFL in 2020-2021. A lot of issues as to what that's going to look like still, but NFL scheduled to happen. Uh, we're going to go into some Ravens news first because there's a lot of that uh, this this week. And then we'll get into some smaller NFL news and why we hate the Patriots yet again. But first, we will talk about the Ravens. And the first thing, we want to just get out of the way here because we brought it up a lot. We don't talk too, too much about free agents going to the Ravens. But we brought up Jamal Adams several times on the show because it seemed like he was always in the mix for the Ravens. Um, he will not be playing for the Ravens next season because he was traded to the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, let's see, the Jets gave the Seahawks Jamal Adams and a fourth-round pick in 2022. They get safety Bradley McDougal, a first- and third-round picks in 2021, and a first-round pick in 2022. The last time we talked about Jamal Adams, we talked about value, what the heck the Jets were going to get for him, with him complaining about wanting to be traded. I think I learned my lesson, I guess, about what these teams can still recoup, but I want to get your guys' thoughts on Jamal Adams to the Seahawks, number one, and then what the Jets were able to get from a uh, ornery player. Well, I think the Jets, <laughs> I don't say this often, got a really good value for this. I mean, we talked about it. Like you said, Jamal Adams, I think, was the headline of the podcast in the, in the title description on your favorite podcast service at least twice, maybe three times this offseason, talking about the potential of the Ravens going after him, even during the season when it was coming up as a trade deadline rumor. Um, and, he, and he's an exceptional player. He really is. But I immediately saw that haul and went, well, DaCosta would have never done that. Uh, so credit to the Jets for really – I mean, Bradley McDougald is a guy who over the last, what, five seasons here I'm looking, has started all but, what, uh, ten games. But one of those, he only started nine games in a season when his first uh, season in Seattle. So he had two with Tampa, and he only missed one start. Then he started nine games his first season with Seattle, started 16 games in 2018, and 14 games in 2019. So – they got a valuable player, a guy that's going to start on their defense, and a ton of draft capital as well. So it, it clearly shows that the two teams are obviously going in different directions, that the competing with the 49ers, the Seahawks are trying to get as much talent as possible, um, bringing in a guy like Jamal Adams and haven't, didn't do the immediate long-term deal with him either. They are very much in win-now mode. Of course, now he comes out and says, I'm going to retire a Seahawk, which I just think is a joke. Um, but... <laughs> Probably a win for both teams based on the directions they're heading. But my first take, incredibly impressed with what the Jets got uh, in terms of a return here. My hesitation in the return is that it is the New York Jets. Um, There's a good stat floating around. Uh, Not good if you're a Jets fan, but um, the lack of the recent first-round picks that are even still on their team... Uh, it's basically since 2014, it's just Sam Darnold and Quinn and Williams who they selected, uh, two seasons ago. Um, in terms of first round picks still on the Jets, they traded Leonard Williams last, uh, season. Now they trade Jamal Adams, who was the sixth overall pick. He's a top 10 draft pick, uh, the year he was selected and an all pro. And I just think 
if you're the Jets, yes, you got a big return. But the reason you want draft picks and as many as you can is so you can draft players as good as Jamal Adams. And they just have now traded him away. And I think for the Seahawks, it's I they did give up a lot. But the Seahawks are essentially where the Ravens reckon to be whenever Lamar signs his big contract in. They are paying monster money to Russell Wilson. He is now on the other side of 30. They are incentivized to try to win as long as they have Russell Wilson, one of the, you know, four best QBs in the NFL. Um, and, you know, they've traded away a ton of first-round picks, too, and it hasn't really recently. The Seahawks hasn't. I think they've only made, like, two other first-round picks since 2013 or two or three. It's not a lot. Uh, so they're comfortable trading first-round picks, and clearly it hasn't hampered their ability to put a competitive team out there. Uh, so I think to get a guy as good and as young as Jamal Adams – in their defensive backfield. I think it's a really good move. And I think it makes them competitive. A guy like basically their version of Russell Wilson, uh, you know, on the defensive side now, and a guy to frankly replace Earl Thomas, who they have never fully filled that void since Earl left Seattle. So um, I think it's a great move. I, I think it's a good move for both sides. I'm just, I'm worried for the jets because of who they are, <laughs> but I do think it is a positive move probably for both sides. And it just said it was clear Jamal Adams was never going to play another down for the Jets. So to just make the move and get as much back as you can from the Jets, I get um, it being a good move. I just, you know, you wish it didn't get to that point, I think. Just one thing quickly, because I know, Antonio, you want to give your opinion on this. But thank God he's in the NFC. (laughs) When it comes down to playoffs and and the real nitty-gritty, he didn't go to a and I don't really know the cap situations, but he didn't go to a New England or he didn't go to a Pittsburgh or, you know, even a Cleveland who just gets more talent and then seems to waste it. But get him as far away as possible that when it comes down to crunch time, the only place the Ravens will be meeting him is in the Super Bowl. I just love Jace's argument that when you're balancing talent and draft capital, if you're really, really bad at drafting – then the draft capital doesn't really mean nearly as much as it would for other teams, such as the Ravens trading away a star who's about to get paid but getting a ton of first-round picks. So, yeah, we'll see with the Jets. Uh, and just because of that, I guess i got to lean toward the Seahawks getting more out of this trade just because of the Jets' history. So next I want to look at quickly is a few Ravens opt-outs. That, you know, each team is sort of trickling a few names, uh, one or two players in most cases. We'll get to that in the NFL section of this episode. But for the Ravens, it's D'Anthony Thomas, you know, the basically the return specialist for the Ravens, and Andre Smith, who was going to be really a, probably an important backup tackle for the Ravens, both opting out. Um, Want to get you guys quick takes on the impact of that. I mean, for, for Thomas, right, it's James Prochet's job to lose. Um but then your thoughts on, on Andre Smith opting out and, and what the Ravens are going to do behind Ronnie Stanley and uh, Orlando Brown Jr. Yeah, I think uh, we we talked when he was drafted. We were all excited, I think, about James Prochet. There was his, uh, his catch numbers as a receiver. Uh, but also what he could, like you said, what he could do in the return game. And if it's not him, I do not know who is returning punts and kicks for this team. Uh uh, you know, maybe a different rookie, but yeah, uh, 
D'Anthony Thomas was pretty much exclusively used as a returner, obviously. They never worked him in the offense at all. So it bodes well for Prochet, and, like, if he can solidify that spot, he'll get on the field, you know, every punt, every kickoff, uh, and then see what he can do as a receiver. So I think it's great news for him. Uh, You know, we obviously haven't seen any of these rookies, so I don't know how that impacts the Ravens' return game, but, you know, D'Anthony Thomas probably wasn't quite what he used to be back in his uh, Kansas City days. So I don't think it's, like, a brutal loss for the Ravens at all, but – I think, Tim, you, I know we were talking a little before the show, the Andre Smith one might be an underrated opt-out uh, for the Ravens. Right, and we'll, um, get, we'll get to that. But real quickly, he's not as good on the field. He's not as good as he used to be on social media either, so it's not as big of a loss for the Ravens there on that front. <laughs> Another guy who that could really be good for, and we'll talk about his position group a little later in the program, is Justice Hill, who has some kick return ability. He is unless he has an amazing training camp, probably number four on the depth chart for running backs, although they have mentioned multiple times they want to keep all four guys, maybe that's a spot where he could take over some of those duties. So a, a, a chance for Justice Hill to prove himself in the special teams, which is how a lot of these guys keep jobs, basically, on NFL rosters. Um, you've seen it with Anthony Levine. You know, He gets a little bit of defense, uh, defensive snaps, but most of it is coming on special teams. And then, yeah, you talk about the tackle, Andre Smith, who was probably the backup for both Ronnie Stanley and Orlando Brown, <laughs> uh, if one of them went down. They did sign uh, Patrick Ehinger, and I, if I butchered that, I apologize. But they are incredibly thin at, at left and right tackle. Uh, Tyree Phillips, who they drafted out of Mississippi State, I believe, played some tackle in college, but he was – Supposed to switch over to guard. Now he might be moved out to tackle, which for him is unfortunate because he probably won't get the chance to compete for that starting right guard spot, which is the big one that we'll, you know, we've all been talking about, obviously, with Marshall Yonder retiring. But the offensive line, I think, in my opinion, is the biggest concern on this team heading into the season, which is bad because it's probably one of the most important position groups. And I go a little bit back and forth because if you lose Ronnie Stanley or Orlando Brown, it's it's a massive blow no matter who replaces them because you're not going to have that same talent at either of those positions. But to have virtually nothing uh, <laughs> back there, no veteran, this is this this smells to me like a classic. And you know, again, things are very very different in the COVID era we're living in right now. But a veteran guy gets cut. A guy who wants to win a ring, so he takes a cheap deal with the Ravens to become some squad depth for them. And I think, I'm predicting that's what's going to happen, but that remains to be seen. Yeah, I just pulled up Brown and and Stanley's game numbers, and they've so far, I mean, yeah, this is always sort of optimistic thinking, but they've both played the vast, vast majority of games, have had minor injuries to speak of. I think Stanley missed two games in, in 2019, and one of them may have even been, uh, I would assume he sat out the Steelers game at the end of the year. I'll, I'll confirm that as, as we get in. But, yeah, it is worrying. Um, the COVID-19, Tim, I agree, the COVID-19 era of this, of picking up a guy, you know, a week before the season is, is sort of makes me a little bit more nervous now than it would have in other years. But the Ravens are good at this. They're going to get somebody else. I really don't think this is how this is going to shake out. Um, that starting week one, they're going to have essentially two tackles on the roster and then question marks. As for 
James Prochet. I mean, this is just me talking, but at this point in the <laughs> NFL, the return game is kneel the kickoff and get it at the 25 and don't drop the punt. And if you have a guy <laughs> who is known for his hands, uh, hopefully he doesn't drop the punts. And then you do everything that you do and you win football games. Uh, all I can think of is the dropping the punt in the Patriots game. I think I'm pretty sure that was Thomas dropping the punt that like swung the game for a quarter there where it looked like the Ravens were in complete control. So James Prochet, fair catch, catch the ball, and then we, uh, we, we go home. I wanted to talk about this other note that I have here quickly. I forgot to mention it during the Jets talk, but speaking of Jets, you know, front office decisions, C.J. Mosley, another player who is opting out of the NFL this season, brought it up in the Ravens segment just because he's obviously an ex-Raven who I'm not sure how many games he missed for us with a rookie contract and then I think one year where he made a little bit more money. He has since gone to the Jets and played two seasons and played in three games over those two seasons. So any quick thoughts on uh, the Ravens once again making the right decision with uh, with a big contract, big impending contract? Yeah, so I'll tell you what the Ravens are pulling up right now. He missed three games in his five seasons in Baltimore, three <laughs> games total. And I saw something uh, earlier today as we record this that C.J. Mosley in 2021 will enter his third season of his very lucrative Jets contract, and he will have played three quarters of healthy football for the New York football Jets. <laughs> so Jets going to Jets. Oh uh, we, we were talking about this a little bit when the news came through in, in our group chat as we compile stuff for the show to bring to you lovely listeners. It, it's very much hindsight bias, but it's kind of one of those, like, you can pat EDC on the back for not making this mega contract move. He never could have predicted this stuff, obviously. Um, you really, on it, in all seriousness, you feel bad for C.J. Mosley. Um, you know, wanting to prove yourself in a big market with a new team and a massive contract, especially for a middle linebacker, and you end up getting hurt very early in the season. It doesn't really help you uh, that much. And then, clearly, I, I don't fault any any player for making the decision to opt out of this season, given the um, crazy circumstances. So. I don't think there's any reason to be upset at C.J. Mosley if you're a New York Jets fan. I mean, people are crazy, so obviously I'm sure some people will be. But uh, a very unfortunate turn of events for the former Ravens superstar. But hopefully after that, in 2021, he comes back and can kind of live up to that contract a little bit, which is already almost seen as a failure. So was I wrong then? Was it not even three games that he played? It was, Or were those three quarters spaced out in three games? So or was he, it even less than he that? He played two games, but I oh believe he... I think he got hurt in week one after three healthy quarters, and then he came back for a, like a game late in the season, but he wasn't fully healthy quite yet. I believe. I'd have to fact check that. Yeah, I, well, he had a monster. He had like a, I think a touchdown and like a fumble recovery and maybe an interception too in like that first half and then like immediately got hurt after. Uh, yeah, I, for me, it just kind of, like you said, Tim, I, you can't fault anyone, I don't think, for opting out. Um, but like... I think that does, from a team perspective, you do like have to sit back and be like, this is why big money free agent deals uh, on not your own guys can be, you know, dangerous. Not dangerous, but just like could impact your team because, you know, they've they gave CJ Mosley the uh, the biggest contract a middle linebacker has ever received. And he's only been able, again, through no fault of his own, really, but 
gotten two games out of him. Uh, whereas the Ravens got four out of five years in the Pro Bowl from him while only missing three games. It's just, you never know. And it is, free agency is just such a risk. Um, and back to the Jets again with the Jamal Adams stuff, why you have to hit on your draft picks uh, so much. Because in a cap league, it does matter a lot uh, to have these guys on the lower contracts. So, yeah. Hope CJ gets healthy. He's one of my favorite Ravens, certainly of recent memory. So, uh, feel bad for him, but, uh, yeah, hope to see him out in 2021. And hopefully whenever the Ravens play them, he doesn't, you know, pick off Lamar Jackson three times or whatever. <laughs> Another personnel move back to the Ravens. Well, I'll say two, uh, one in one out basically. Uh, although on opposite sides of the ball, the first being that the Ravens waived defensive tackle Dalen Mack who was a fifth-round pick from last year. Sort of a surprising move. Ravens, you know, they, they try to hang on to, to their draft picks at least a few seasons and see if they can develop them, but sort of a, a quick out for him at what I would guess is just a deep uh, position on this particular roster. I'll let you guys give your thoughts on that. And then the, the addition of the Ravens signing tight end Jarrell Adams uh, the three of us were texting earlier today about the the whispers that the, about the Ravens potentially signing either Delaney Walker or Jordan Reed. Neither of those ended up happening. Uh, Jordan Reed ended up signing with the 49ers later today, but the Ravens going with maybe the lesser-known player in Jarrell Adams, who I think it sort of makes sense. He He's, you know, the, you want to sign a flashy name that you know, but when you're looking for a number three tight end, go and get a number three tight end, but... <laughs> Guy has not caught a pass since 2017, so I have a few question marks. But but I'll turn to you two first for Dalen Mack, and then your thoughts on on Jarrell Adams. Well, yeah, on on Dalen Mack, what happened was the Ravens clearly had a mission this off season to upgrade the defensive line, and because of that, there were going to be casualties. I mean, they bring in an All Pro in Calais Campbell. They bring in Derek Wolf, who will start alongside Brandon Williams. They let Michael Pierce go, another man who has opted out actually for the Minnesota Vikings. Um, And then they drafted two defensive tackles and Justin Matabuke and Broderick Washington uh, Jr., excuse me, uh, um, in the er relatively early rounds. I think Washington might have been a fifth-round pick, but Matabuke, I believe, was a third-round selection. And Dalen Mack just didn't show enough. Also, you have a fullback that can play defensive tackle in Patrick Ricard. So (laughs) there's clearly depth at the position. I'm not even mentioning guys like Giad Ward and Jelly Ellis, who played a little bit last year. Uh, Dalen Mack couldn't even get ahead of those guys. So if if you're moving those guys down the pecking order and he's behind them, you know, you're kind of SOL at that point, uh, unfortunately. And it's clearly a guy that's still young. Um, I He might have been picked up already. I'm not. He got claimed by the Lions, I saw. Okay. Um, actually. So, so he did. Matt Patricia. I'm trying to get that Ravens DNA. In hey, there. and did. That's what happens if you get drafted by a good franchise. Other franchises will be like, what did we miss about this guy? Maybe let's take a stab at him. Um, on the signing of Jarrell Adams, and excuse me, I was trying to pull up his name here because I don't know too much about him. Um, he was the fastest tight end at the 2016 NFL Combine. So that's cool. He can run down the seam like Mark Andrews. Love it. Love uh, it. I think, you know, Jordan Reed, a ton of injury problems, and for a roster that's looking to fill out that tight end position that uses three tight ends a lot and already has a guy named Mark Andrews who is oft injured. You need somebody who might be not have that type of history. Um, Delaney Walker, I think is like you said, Antonio is the typical case of everybody wants that name, but that's just not going to happen because they don't have, 
they don't have the money for that. Maybe if that's one a couple weeks down the line, he's still not signed. Maybe they take a stab at it. But, you know, Adams is not your third tight end with a bullet. He's going to compete with some guys they brought in, some undrafted rookies as well. Um, And clearly the raw talent is there. I mean, a big body, too, 6'5", 254 pounds. You would like to think he can throw that weight around while blocking, which is very important in this scheme for the Ravens. So, yeah, it's it's a tiny little signing, but it's something that it, it, it the Ravens and maybe even the 49ers, but maybe not because they have George Kittle, who's basically two tight ends and one. <laughs> the Ravens are so reliant on those three tight end sets, as we saw last year. So finding a guy who can be behind Andrews and Boyle, and if Andrews gets injured, be the number two guy, I think is really important for this team. Yeah, I think just a, a name like this, too, you know, provides financial flexibility. I can't imagine they're paying Jarrell Adams much um, to be the third tight end. It, on on Mac, the only thing that really kind of surprised me is, you guys mentioned it, is the recency of his being drafted. You usually don't see the Ravens part with a guy that quickly that isn't like a seventh-round pick. Now he's still a later-round pick. He was fifth-rounder. But, um, yeah, like you said, just hasn't can barely play it last season didn't get into many games at all so um you draft other defensive tackles you bring in you know a bunch of veterans uh and you're a team that is trying to win now you don't have time to try to teach guys on the job as much um so i get it but it is always just a it caught my eye a little bit just because you we don't see this a ton from the ravens the last player note roster note when tim was explaining to me right before we started recording he said matt Skura, antonio to the to the pup list and i thought we had a new instagram that we needed to follow of his new puppy but we're talking <laughs> about the physically unable to perform list so uh missed that one is fun <laughs> tim uh can you uh relay that update on on Skura? yeah so i have not seen anything about his dog on instagram <laughs> but i will update everybody as soon as i do just follow us at pod like a raven on twitter and instagram we'll let you know there <laughs> Uh, but he is on the active pup list, which is different than the the inactive one, I believe. And, Jace, you can correct me if I'm wrong, is week six. If you get placed on that, you can come back after week six. This one, and according to the yep. Baltimore Sun, who wrote an article that I read about it, he can come back in training camp. It's just the Ravens take a very measured and, and cautious approach to bringing a guy back after a, a, frankly, horrible knee injury pretty late in the season that he suffered. Um so it's good to see that he is he is rehabbing really well. You would like him to be there starting. Pat McCarry, uh, the undrafted rookie last year, did a did a pretty decent job filling in for him. But Sakura was having a great year, um, and you'd like to see him rebound and get back to that level, especially without having a guy like um, like Marshall Yonda next to him. So again, as we talked about with Andre Smith, the offensive line for me personally is the biggest question mark undoubtedly on this team um and to just have one of those consistent starters back in that rotation is is crucial so take your time with it um and hopefully i mean the rehab he was the videos he was putting out i mean even mere months after shredding his knee apart were incredibly impressive so as long as he's on that same trajectory you know maybe not even week one but if you can get him back early season that is a huge boost for the ravens yeah, and I and I think in this like you know COVID off season, uh, I think the Ravens even more so than usual are not incentivized to rush him back. Um, like we have said, we do not know what's going on with um, 
where the season really stands. Uh, it's it's moving ahead, but we've seen from baseball two teams have basically been wiped out for at least a full week uh, there, uh, and they have similar testing ideas as the NFL um, and plans of playing and what have you. So definitely hurdles, and I think as it pertains uh, to Scarra, um, you know, there's just no reason to rush him back, especially with all the unknowns I think they face. Um, but it is good to know that, like, as you said, he he doesn't have to miss six weeks. Like, uh, they think he'll be back sooner than that, and it's what that means, obviously. So um, that's great for the Ravens because, yeah, he, he definitely, as you said, Makari was good. I thought he was fine. But, uh, yeah, it, it, it wasn't quite the level that they were playing when Scar was there. Because when, when he was in, that was when they were just – bulldozing teams in november of last year they think they you know they put up 40 points every game there for a while uh and it got a little harder in the end of the season and you know part of that could be they didn't have their starting center so um yeah i wish him healthy speedy recovery and we'll just keep an eye on him i guess (laughs) because that's uh definitely one of the top i think items to watch for the ravens as we enter camp here yeah, I love how at the beginning of last season, when we had just started this show, that was really, it was the big question mark we had. We had no idea what this offensive line was going to be. Fast forward a year later, they solved it for a year, and now they have the you know the same challenge ahead of them again. But turning away from the roster, we had a fun little players poll come out this past week where NFL players ranked who they thought were the best players in the NFL And oh boy, Lamar Jackson coming in at number one on that list, ahead of Patrick Mahomes, ahead of Russell Wilson, and a host of other talented players that play other positions. Just going to turn to you guys here. It's fun. It doesn't really matter, but it at least speaks to the respect that Lamar Jackson has among his peers, which is probably higher demonstrated by this than than maybe the, the NFL sports media. Yeah, I mean, this is the stereotypical you know, in a, in a different year, it's the summertime. Nobody cares about baseball that's listening to sports radio. So let's have these debates about the NFL top 100 list because the NFL is king. Now, obviously, everything is back. Basketball's back. Baseball sort of back, but they can't figure their own S out. And hockey is back. But uh, Lamar Jackson getting number one, I think the biggest takeaway here, and credit to a friend of mine, Ryan Chell, who pointed this out and you can see it when you watch the Lamar Jackson video. They splice together like a big seven-minute video for the number one player. He's legitimately thrilled. And like he has a, a sense of joy about, wow, my – and he recognizes it's not just an award. It's his peers voted him this. And he remembers watching these when he was younger and thinking, I would love to be at that, at that table one day. And, and the happiness he gets from that is really cool. Um, he immediately goes, and he had a quote the other day um, as we record this, that, you know, I'm tired of going home. I'm pissed off. So he's still got that chip on his shoulder, which you love to see from a a Ravens point of view. I love the amount of Chiefs Twitter that became, Pat Mahomes (laughs) is so disrespected. He's going to see this. Pat Mahomes is busy buying baseball teams. He doesn't care about the NFL top 100 (laughs) list. So he, he has... So much money that he can't see his TV over the mountain of cash that he's swimming in right now. So I don't think he really cares that much about this list. But um, it it was really cool just to see Lamar's reaction. Um, And then 
my lord, I watched that seven-minute clip about ten times over and over again. We were watching Netflix, and I had to pause it and just say, can we watch this on my phone real quick? Because I'm just tearing up watching this man play football, and I need it back. <laughs> and we should mention as well, just for those of you that might care or maybe missed it, you can catch all these videos. And the videos they do are pretty cool because it's NFL players talking about what makes these other guys so good. Uh, Lamar, obviously, number one. Mark Ingram came in at 44 the second highest rated Raven, which is, is pretty wild to me. Marcus Peters, the third highest rated Raven, really surprising to me at 53. Ronnie Stanley at 74. Earl Thomas at 75. New Raven, Clayus Campbell at 79. And Marlon Humphrey, who should be above all, everybody else except Lamar, at coming in at number 86. So the list is always a little weird, um, especially for people, you know, nerdy sports Twitter when it all comes out to break it down. But again... The amount that he loved the fact that his peers respect him like that, I thought was really cool to see. Jace, before we go to you, I want to just run through the top 10 overall quick, and then, and then I'll get your take on, on how the Ravens finished. So Lamar at number one. Then for the rest of the list, it's Russell Wilson, Aaron Donald, Patrick Mahomes at four, Michael Thomas, Christian McCaffrey, George Kittle, DeAndre Hopkins, Stefan Gilmore, who you know my thoughts on him being top 10. Uh, and Derrick Henry coming in at number 10. So, Jace, please, why are the players so correct in having Lamar at number one instead of two, <laughs> three, or four? Um, well, I think we <laughs> or not. mentioned it. Well, I think it just speaks to how much guys love Lamar. Uh, I think, like, that's what these lists ultimately come down to. I think that explains why Mark Ingram's as high as he is, because I love Mark Ingram, but... I don't know, 44th best player in the NFL? That seems a tad high. <laughs> yeah, he's one of my favorites. He's like, And I think it's just the sound bites, the energy. Guys love Mark Ingram, and guys love Lamar. They love, like, you know, they show, I believe, in that seven-minute clip Tim was talking about, you know, Brady, Tom Brady coming up to him saying, I love, like, watching you play, and Aaron Rodgers, I think, back in the preseason was saying, like, you're electric, man, and stuff. Uh, and so I think they, I think you guys have mentioned it, but... I think players understand how, even to a degree that, like, the media gets, but not fully, about how, like, unique or even revolutionary what Lamar Jackson did last year is. Um, uh, Just, you know, I watched something recently, the top 10 rushing quarterbacks of all time, and, like, how much Lamar broke the rushing record by while not even playing, like, one full game is absurd he had 1200 yards as a quarterback and like led the league in touchdown passes it doesn't make any sense uh and so i was genuinely surprised mahomes wasn't number one because the players do seem to like mahomes a lot too like his peers seem to respect him but he did miss some time last year uh with some injuries and you know he did win the Super Bowl, so it won Super Bowl MVP. But he only had like, quote unquote, only had to like twenty six touchdowns, whereas he had fifty the year before. So I was a little surprised to see him under uh, Russell Wilson, I guess, especially. Um, and um, Tim, you had joked Mahomes couldn't see his money. I think he uh, uh, couldn't see the TV over his pile of money. I think uh, he was feeding into the Twitter jokes because he did fire off one tweet with an emoji, just just the notepad noted that he was number four uh the night uh the reveal but i think it was all in good fun i think i think it just speaks to how much the guys love lamar uh and um appreciate just how crazy what he is doing is versus maybe even 
as crazy as some of the throws Mahomes makes, it's not, you know, quite as, you know, we've seen a guy like Dan Marino before. We've seen a guy with a cannon arm like Brett Favre, like, <laughs> but we've literally never seen a guy like Lamar Jackson. And I think the, uh, this list is just the players showing appreciation for that. The last thing I would add to this is, may, per, you know, perhaps the players are also looking at this on a roster by roster basis. I think the one thing you would say for Mahomes is he has we- serious weapons all over the field. Tariq Hill, Sammy Watkins, McCole Hardman, Travis Kelsey, and that as a core is certainly better than what the Ravens had last year, uh, at least in terms of offensive weapons. So may- may- maybe that's part of the like, you know, we'll put Lamar a little bit higher this year. Um, <laughs> Tim, any last thoughts on uh, on the Ravens list? Uh, maybe some guys will be a little upset about it and be motivated. I just said Mahomes isn't motivated, but maybe just glass half full for the Ravens. They they will come out and see, you know, Marlon Humphrey going, that Marcus Peters guy, I love him, and he's pretty good, but come on. Orlando Brown not being on the list. Uh, there was a couple others, you know, personally Chuck Clark, but give him a couple years. Maybe he'll get there. We'll <laughs> see. Uh, just one other thing, too. I think the coolest image, if you don't know how this works, they do like a – they unveil the player – and they show his ranking, and then they show where he was ranked last year. Lamar's was just two horizontal slashes. He was not ranked in the top 100 <laughs> last year and shot up to number one in a season, which is, again, we've said it over and over and over again, just remarkable how fun that season was and how dominant he was, and that shows it. Jace, you mentioned Mark Ingram at 44. I feel like we should bring this up. Now, uh, Tim, you have a few notes on Ingram talking to reporters, uh, and he had a little bit of words about uh, J.K. Dobbins. Early insight on J.K. Dobbins, who obviously is slated to be the number two running back on this team, so I just wanted to get your uh, your thoughts on, on Ingram's opinions there. Yeah, the way you tease this, it sounds negative, but, it's, but good job fooling the listeners a little bit. Uh, he spoke to the reporters on Monday. And just had a few couple, a couple things. Obviously, they asked him immediately about how do you feel about the Ravens drafting a guy in the second round after you had a fantastic season last year. And he said, you know, he, in paraphrasing, he said, that's happened to me before. I wasn't surprised by it. It's a high-value pick. He immediately ra- reached out to me when he was drafted. He didn't have to do that. Um, J.K. Dobbins has talked about every time I have a question, I'd re- reach out to Mark, and he gets back to me almost immediately. Um, and, and one of the big quotes that – Mark Ingram had was he's a great young young back. That's what this game is all about. Pay this game forward. This is the again another oh yeah Mark Ingram should have been a Raven his entire career type of personality on the guy. He understands what this business is about, and he wants to. Clearly, he's a competitor. He doesn't want to give up his his first string role. And this season, I don't think he will based on how good he was last year. But he knows that in order for this team to be as successful as possible, he needs to do everything he can to help J.K. Dobbins out as well. And the two of them in that same backfield, man, is just is going to be so special with Gus Bus and even a little bit of Justice Hill mixed in. Um, but I thought it was very cool to see Mark Ingram come out and immediately dispel any, didn't do the, well, this is my job, I'm going to fight for my place, this rook's got to come in here and kind of prove himself thing. He immediately was like, I'm going to do what I can to help this guy succeed because that's better for the team. And it's just, maybe it's, if you're being a cynic, maybe you just think that's stupid and it's, it's media talk and that's fine. And he's, he's trained to speak this way and that's all well and good for me. I'm taking it as a positive that, you know, and as Jason references before the clips of him 
constantly boosting up <laughs> Lamar Jackson last season. He knows that he's a vocal leader on this team, and he has to do what he can to help boost these young guys with a, you know, I wouldn't say young roster, but some soup, some young superstars, and then you know, incoming high ta- highly touted rookies as well. I just thought it was really cool to see Mark Ingram take that approach rather than the "this is my job, come get it" approach. Yeah, I think it, like we were kind of saying with all those clips and him firing guys up, he does seem like he's genuinely one of like the great guys in the NFL, just like constantly like positive and uh, you know, I mean, he was all over the place in pretty much every clip of the Ravens countdown. Uh, they had some sound bite of Mark Ingram thrown in uh, for whatever player they were referring to. Um, but he's gone through this before uh, with the saints um, with Alvin Kamara. He, Kamara was a, a, a third round pick. Um, And, you know, if it's anything like how it was there, I'm very much looking forward to the Dobbins-Ingram era. Uh, Maybe we'll get uh, dual interviews like uh, Kamara and Ingram did when they were with the Saints. Uh, Those were always very funny in the uh, Saints locker room after games. Uh, He seems like just a very supportive guy. And like you said, just a guy who wants to win ultimately. Um uh, it's kind of what it comes down to. And so I, I'm very excited. I think on the field is going to be great. I'm very excited for JK Dobbins. I think he's going to be really good. Uh, I hope he's really good. I'm, he was awesome at Ohio state. Uh, but yeah, I think, uh, it, it's great to see. And that's, you know, the definition of leadership kind of in many ways. So you're glad one of, you know, one of, frankly, one of their older players on offense. This is still, we, I know we lose sight of this sometimes still a very young team, especially on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, you know, a guy like Ronnie Stanley, like 26, is one of the old veterans on the team. So uh, still a pretty young team. And so to have a, a, a vocal guy, over 30 guy, uh, just so welcoming and supportive of his teammates while still performing on the field, I think it's, you know, fantastic. I'm very much looking forward to it. The last Ravens note that we want to go over here is is a uh, more somber thing to go over, but we wanted to bring it up. Mo Gabba, who was sort of a Ravens and Orioles, but I think I was known as a Ravens super fan. Uh, was a 14 years old. Was a kid who had a long stretch where he was battling cancer, um, but was a very visible presence with the Orioles, with the Ravens. Uh, passed away last week, so we wanted to, you know, to offer our sort of pod like a Raven condolences out to, to his family. Um, a kid who was seen at Ravens practices drew up, I think, a touchdown play during a practice. He announced uh, one of the NFL draft picks in Braille was the first person to ever do that. So just a really cool kid, one of the most positive people I've ever seen. He was always so exuberant and, and happy to be doing what he was doing. So just wanted to, to mention that if any of you guys have any thoughts on this. But um, just bring up Mo Gabba here on, uh, on Pod Like a Raven for a yeah, second. Yeah, he, as you kind of said, he... Uh... There's a message in in all this negative news that you can be positive no matter what kind of hand you were dealt in life because I can I can speak for the both of you knowing you for years now that neither of us or all of three of us clearly were not handed any sort of deck like Mo Gabba was and he was just a ray of positivity throughout all of it um, you know taken away too early obviously but as, as Scott Garceau kind of mentioned uh, the night after he got to watch his first Orioles game tonight which was very cool uh, only the second Orioles fan in history to be inducted into the Orioles Hall of Fame um, 
an incredibly sad moment for all Baltimore sports. You saw, I mean, it just it would. The, the teams did a great job, obviously, handling the news and, and some really, really touching tributes um, to, to Mo and his family. Um, but, but what you saw from kind of the community, um, some of the Ravens UK guys that we, li- that we reference who, you know, are, are, we're lucky enough that they listen to this podcast. They are not part of the Baltimore community. They're clearly part of the Ravens community. They even kind of were impacted by the loss of Mo Gabba. Um, you saw many people saying, I never met the kid, but... Here's what he did. And then the people who did, you know, Lamar Jackson, John Harbaugh, you name it in terms of Ravens player. Willie Sneed, I believe, was one of them as well that I just remember off the top of my head, came out with just glowing messages about um, about Mo and his battle and kind of how he stayed positive through everything. So if, there, if there's one good thing to take out of this or one positive, as Mo would have taken out of any any sad news, is that it's not all bad. Like your lot in life is not all bad. We're 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 in some tough times right now, but there's there's always sort of a, a positive outlook that you can take. And uh, and a 14 year old taught that to all Baltimore sports fans uh, during his life. So just rest in peace to him, and and hopefully his family is doing okay, and that they can kind of get through this uh, rough time. Well, I was just gonna say the only th- I think that was very beautifully said, Tim. The, um, obviously, condolences, and I think his message, like you said, definitely, you know, went well beyond even just the Baltimore sports community. I mean, you saw it kind of from all corners of the internet, and I know just for like myself, I haven't, um, you know, lived in Maryland now for six years, uh, but I, um, you know, I've followed this kid for and his kind of journey and story for, for years now. Uh, and it, yeah, it's a, you know, he touched a lot of people and, uh, inspired a lot of people, um, with the way he lived his life. Uh, so just very sad. Um, but, uh, yeah, condolences to the family. Um, and, uh, you know, like you said, he's the only him and wild bill Haggy are, uh, in the Orioles hall of fame now. And I'm sure the Ravens, We'll probably do something similar, maybe induct him in the Ring of Honor or what have you. Um, but, uh, yeah, very sad news. Um, but an inspiring life, uh, and he won't be forgotten anytime soon. All right, let's turn now to our random Raven this week. We've been talking about uh, Mark Ingram, talking about J.K. Dobbins. I've got a running back themed Uh-oh. random Raven, and that's my first, uh, my first cl- uh, clue for today, but... This random Raven played in Baltimore for three seasons, from 2015 to 2017, mostly as a backup. Yeah, oh, <laughs> Tim made a face at that. It's the forgotten it's the years, really, of, of Ravens fanhood. In 2016, however, he played in all 16 games, and he started 13 of them, leading the team <laughs> in rushing yards for the season with 774. Oh, boy. After injuries hampered his 2017 season he lost carries to alex collins he eventually had a cup of coffee with the new orleans saints in the summer of 2018 but he has not played in an nfl game since and this clue may help a little bit he was drafted in the third round by the cleveland browns in 2014 and attended a college very well known by local baltimore ravens fans Okay. I'm so I'm going to leave it there because I think that may be enough. No numbers, no other information. So that is my random Raven 
who I was a little nervous we had already done, so I had to check that at the last <laughs> second. But as rand- one, I'm one of my prouder random Ravens, if I may say so. So that's why I have this week. And what we will a strange that. era of the team! Like so recent, and yet I feel like I know so little it's, about it's, it. <laughs> you know who got you know who got snaps on that team? Ryan Mallett. Yeah, it's it's literally the forgotten era, as you said, Antonio. Um, I I was thinking Alex Collins. And I was like, I think his his reign, <laughs> his dominant reign, quote unquote, was shifted a little later than the 2015 to 17. Uh, the college gave it away. I actually interviewed this player on a, and I, Antonio, you might have been there on a former podcast that I used to be on. Uh, maybe you weren't, but we interviewed this player, and you know the, the college, and I won't say anything yet for people who are listening. Um, the college, very well known by Ravens fans. We thought that he might have been from the area of the college, but he was actually from Florida, and that was an incredibly awkward moment. Um, so I'll never forget <laughs> that that part of, uh, of interviewing this player. But, yeah, that's a really, really strong one because it was – Ravens fans were so excited because of that affiliation, and I'm really trying not to spoil this for anybody who's trying to guess. <laughs> and Ravens fans were like, we found this guy, and this is great because of all these ties, and then it just – nope, it never came to be. Uh, just for the listener, the uh, the very known local college is not the University of Maryland. So take away the big the big school and work on your your Baltimore area small schools. It's not so, Darrell Scott, <laughs> right? <laughs> All right. So let's turn to NFL news. We'll answer that random Raven at the end of the show. Not as much NFL stuff to go over, but one of the things we got to talk about, and this was, I think this came out like the day after our last episode, so this is old news, but it's still fun to talk about, and that is the Redskins dropping the Redskins monitor and changing their name for the entire year to the Washington football team. Because (laughs) why would you have any sort of marketing work done before... (laughs) on potential team names when this has been a debate in the NFL and fan bases for 50 years. Jace, I'm going to turn to you first on this one because I think you know the Snyder history, maybe best of the three of us, but just how how does this happen in it's... the era of social media, of the internet, of marketing, of the NFL being a year-long sport? How do you not have a team name? It's insane, and I think it goes directly back to Mr. Daniel Snyder, owner of the now-dubbed Washington football team, (laughs) because I think he... So, in 2013, I think we may have mentioned this one of our... When we announced whatever they said they were changing the name, but uh, he said that he would never, and you can use all caps, change the name of the then-Washington Redskins. Uh, And I think it's clear he believed that, because clearly they have put no work into ever considering like a different name drawing up you know mock logos no for i don't want to see it don't want to see uh any. securing trademarks just in case <laughs> they ever need to change the name it's clear he was somehow completely blindsided to the fact that like the redskins were going to change their name at some point it was an inevitability in the history like the franchise was going to change their name at some point. There's just no way they were never going to not change their name. Uh, And he was just so, I guess, this again, this is all from the outside. I have no inside info on this, but it definitely seems like they were caught completely unprepared to change the name. And the only solution they could come up with was to call themselves the Washington football team. 
and just put their numbers in burgundy on their gold helmets for the year while having basically the same jerseys, but, uh, you know, just without any name on them. <laughs> it's, it's just a reflection of everything, how they run that team. And I, will I get a Washington football team t-shirt? Cause I think it's funny. Absolutely. Um, but, uh, yeah, it just like, it just doesn't, I mean, it just tracks with everything Dan Steiner's ever done with how he runs that team. He, they're unprepared, unprofessional in many ways. And we have an NFL team that's just called the football team. It's insane. It's, I, I don't think we can like discuss this enough. It's so funny. To me. So Jace was in a danger area where he, where he was born. There are a lot of Washington football team fans, but how fortunate are we? That we grew up in Ravens <laughs> households. That we just dodged that bullet, uh, for lack of a better term. Thank the Lord. Cannon. Yeah, cannon. Missile. <laughs> nuclear bomb. Like, anything. We, we, were, we were very fortunate to, to miss that. Um, as someone who works in soccer, MLS teams who are coming in as new franchises are often um, poo-pooed on social media most recently Charlotte, who is coming in, for lacking originality and using the the similar <laughs> moniker that, that teams who have storied histories, a la your most recent Premier League champions, Liverpool FC. Okay. For just, that's, a, that's a shameless yes, plug. Yeah, a <laughs> for just putting FC at the end of their town name. Charlotte FC. I, I, they might have put Charlotte Town, I can't remember. But Charlotte FC, which doesn't make sense. Because it's in Major League Soccer. This is football. (laughs) They had the opportunity to be Washington FC. And you know what? If you look at the promo image, if you look in between Dwayne Haskins' feet, and you can look at this, the original promo image, he is standing in an empty stadium, a graphic they put behind a mock-up of Dwayne Haskins, and there's a soccer goal between his legs. They didn't (laughs) Photoshop out the soccer goal. They had it all there. There could have been a funny joke. You put FC on the side of the helmet. I think that would have been all right. I'm ac- I actually personally don't really mind the numbers on the helmet, to be to be fair. But oh, I think it looks, looks cool, all right. Actually. But, <laughs> it's just it's just ridiculous. And I've seen some people, some Washington fans, like, oh, I think it's cool that it's different. And sure, you can have that <laughs> argument, fine. But the fact of the matter is, Jace is exactly right. And again, without any inside knowledge, but we can all make a very, very incredibly educated guess. <laughs> they were not prepared for this. They did not know what they were doing. And because of it, they were stuck with literally no name. <laughs> Just no name whatsoever. So I don't know. The gear is funny. I will not buy anything burgundy and gold. I refuse. But I understand the <laughs> irony of buying some memorabilia. But I mean... Dear Lord, I am sorry, Washington. I, I said it. I said it. It's it seriousness, but a little bit in jest. But I am dead serious. Now is the time to hop on the bandwagon. If you want to, we'll accept you. You got to earn your keep a little bit for a couple of seasons. The, the the next time, God willing, way down the line, the Ravens go below five hundred. You have to stick with the team. But all invites are open right now. You can watch Lamar Jackson play football and wear purple, which is a much better color than burgundy anyway, and get off that dumpster fire that is the Washington football team. <laughs> Aside from the jokes, which I would love to continue because there's, there's a lot to, to grab from the joke tree for this particular topic, but 
the the sort of more somber thing is that with this being such a contentious issue for some sports fans, some people, some NFL fans, some Washington football team fans, is that not replacing that Redskins name is going to sort of delay peep the, the, the nomenclature of going away from the Redskins being the team name, which I think is sort of, if we're going like eight levels deep here, is something Snyder wanted to do on purpose. Because how do you sort of quickly erase something that you're trying to get rid of, you replace it with something else? By not putting anything instead, there's going to be this slow draw of this name that people still want to continue to use. Because guess what? Their team doesn't really have a name. So it's sort of frustrating (laughs) to see that aspect of it. I don't see fans in the stands saying, like, go football team. Like, I don't think that's going to be a cheer that they're going to do on third down. It's just so frustrating. So I'm dying to know how they end up going through the name selection, if they're going to make it a fan vote without a write-in, obviously, if they're going to just sort of workshop a few names. But the challenge is out there, and the Washington football team has yet again messed up something that shouldn't really be that hard to do well. Yeah. (laughs) Finally, uh, the Kraken is now taken, so you can't take the Kraken. And don't try to do some kind of, like, singular word uh, by copying what Seattle did for their hockey team. So, any final thoughts on that, guys? Otherwise, we'll turn... To the rest of the NFL, and that's, uh, first things first, no preseason. Officially now, the last time we spoke, they had officially gone down to two preseason games. I think all three of us sort of agreed those two games were going to disappear at some point, and they have. Outside of that as a news topic, I want to get your thoughts on how much or if you think it will impact uh, certain teams over others or the quality of play uh, in the NFL this season, maybe specifically the first few games of the NFL season, or have starters, superstars been so much removed from the preseason that it won't end up really being that much of a difference for starters on on NFL rosters? Yeah, I mean, the debate for preseason all along has been, it really affects the guys who are trying to make a roster. You know, you can't make an impact if you're not going to have game tape. Coaches, by nature, are um, safe people and making safe decisions, not taking risks a lot of the time um, because, you know, they're, they're virtually always on the hot seat. So, you know, if you're not popping in camp, they're going to go with the veteran over the guy who might be a little bit of a risk because they don't know too much about him. Um, instead, even if you – and you don't have this game tape now to show not only that team but other teams. So I think it's unfortunate for those guys. In terms of on the field, I don't know because – Preseason always kind of seems to be played at half speed anyway and without a ton of starters. So you could you could make the argument of, well, we're going to see a lot of missed tackles early on. You know, guys aren't going to be sticking to gap assignments or run block schemes are not going to be as good. Like any sort of stereotypical argument that you get um, when this preseason debate has come up multiple times. I just don't see it affecting them that much because of what you said, Antonio. Your, your solid guys are not playing that much anyway. So I really don't think it's going to matter. What I'm interested to see, and Jace, I don't know if you have any thoughts on this, is obviously this is a, a circumstance because of the pandemic, no preseason this season. If 
they, they don't do preseason, and then week one, two, three, four comes around, and everybody seems to be fine outside of the Browns making too many mistakes. That would have happened anyway. <laughs> do you think this is something that going forward, maybe they finally say, you know, at the very least limit it to two or maybe even scrap it all together? I, I think we could be heading that way because it's certainly, I think, what the players want. Like you said, the guys who want uh, preseason the most in preseason games are the guys on the fringes of the roster to try to prove themselves. Those are also the guys who have the least amount of sway within the NFLPA. So um, if the superstars don't want more preseason games, that's going to be what happens uh, eventually. And I think... You know, we're supposed to go to 17 games in 2021 anyway. Um, I could see a scenario, because clearly the NFL owners won an 18th regular season game at some point. They don't want to do an unbalanced. So I could see a, a future where maybe they do, like, two preseason games that's, like, nothing but practice squad guys, and then 18 regular season games. And, like, you know, your early... You know, the more regular season games you have, the less important each game becomes, right? So, like, if your first, like, month of the season's kind of, like, sloppy in preseason, that's fine because you still have, you know, what, 14 more games or whatever. Uh, so, I do think it's a path um, to getting rid of uh, – I, I think we were trending towards getting rid of preseason games anyway to some degree, at least, at least having four of them, certainly – so I do think this could be a semi-permanent kind of change we see, especially as we add. We know we're adding one more regular season game, and I am guessing we're going to add another one somewhere down the line. So I do think it's probably the start of something. The last thing I'll say to this, and I'm sure this is going to get, it's probably already been said and will be repeated as the month of August goes along, but let's see the teams who are bringing back the majority of their starters do better than the teams that have a lot of turnover or are changing systems or have a new quarterback um, because that's the you know a, a small thing that those preseason weeks or those preseason games or the practices for those preseason games are reps for new players new schemes and so let's see you know looking at you Ravens let's see a team <laughs> that's bringing back the exact same core uh, the exact same system the exact same coaches which is another issue of this uh, in terms of just communication um, and, you know, com camaraderie between certain teams, the rosters that they have, bringing back the same players. Uh, let's see if that sort of plays plays itself out in some way as the season gets started. But for the most part, I sort of agree with you guys that it's not going to be a, a gigantic shift. Um, so I want to move on to something else now. We've talked a little bit already about players opting out. We mentioned the two Ravens players opting out. The Cowboys have three players opting out. Every other team in the NFL has two or fewer players opting out. And then there's the New England Patriots. And I want to go sort of like deep level here on the conspiracy behind it because there must be with the Patriots. They have eight players opting out as of right now, including several starters, including a pro bowler in Dante Hightower, Brandon Bolden, Marcus Cannon, Patrick Chung, uh, Matt Lacasse, a reserve tight end. You know, I say Marquise Lee, the wide receiver. It's sort of like that guy's not really a starter. But for a team who needed wide receivers, he may <laughs> have been a starter or would have at yeah. least gotten a lot of snaps. So uh, a few other names that are sort of more in the backup roles. But eight Patriots officially out for this season. 
I don't know which direction to go with this because two weeks ago I said Cam Newton was taken into the playoffs guaranteed. (laughs) Now we've gone the full other direction. Are they going to add Jadavion Clowney? And now they're going to go to the Super Bowl guaranteed with Newton and Clowney because they have the cap space. Are we going the other way with this? Are they now going to lose out because they want to get a quarterback first overall who I'm not going to say his name at the moment? Guys, what are the what are the Patriots doing here? Please tell me there's some like deep state reason that it's eight Patriots <laughs> and three of the Cowboys and then two of everybody. Yeah, so I mean, it's clearly a conspiracy, right? Belichick is known. <laughs> Thank you. Thank Belichick you. knows what he's doing here, and he he might be injecting people with coronavirus to get them out. I don't know what's going on. I'm obviously obviously kidding, but uh, here here's a stat for you, and this is why I'm going to take it a certain way. This comes from Pro Football uh, Focus, great website, obviously, if you're, if you're nerdy about the game like we are. The Patriots have cleared roughly $17 million in cap space in 2020. Don't like that. As a result of opt-outs, by far the most of any team in the NFL. They came into, and this was last Tuesday, they came into the day with the 25th most cap space in 2020, and they are now in the top 10. They are going to shoot back down into the lower third after, yes, they signed Jadavion Clowney because this is absolutely <sighs> happening. It's, it's a stick on certainty, right? I mean, we joked, Jace joked about it, and if, if we're going to go the whole route like I did with the Bengals of not saying this quarterback from Clemson's name with beautiful surfer hair like the guy from the Remember the Titans, that's fine, sunshine. But <laughs> I could see them maybe Newton gets hurt. They go 2-14. and 14, He comes in, leads them for the next 20 years. Or they become a pest in the playoffs, and they and Jadavion Clowney actually brings the sack numbers that he's promised since I don't know high school when he was the most hyped high school football player of all time, and get twenty sacks, maybe break the sack record, yeah. and they go, <laughs> who knows, eleven and five. But they're like, don't sleep on the Patriots. Of course, no one's sleeping on the Patriots. That's a thing. Literally, no one will ever do ever again. Um, it's the other thing too is the thing that annoys me the most. Dante Hightower is the only man on this list that matters. Patrick Chung can't play anymore. I'm sorry. He's no good. And everybody else is either a reserve player or somebody who's just, as you said, Antonio, very much fine. And if if the best guy you're losing is the middle linebacker on a defense that is run by the greatest defensive mind in the history of the game, I think you're going to be okay. Especially when that means taking out Dante Hightower to – Replace Jadavion Clowney. And no, I'm not just saying it because I have horrible luck with predicting these things, and maybe it'll be a reverse jinx, but the Patriots are going to sign Jadavion Clowney. Yeah, I mean, I think when it's Bill Belichick involved in any tangible way, you immediately have to think conspiracy. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you. That's, Thank you. That's just how NFL works these days. Uh, yeah, I mean, Hightower's awesome. He's been a linchpin for their team for better part of a decade now close to a decade anyway uh since they drafted him out of alabama um and you know marcus cannon he's been their starting right tackle the last several years when he's been healthy so that's another pretty big one so i don't know how i think their season's gonna play out i just know it's going to annoy me (laughs) no matter what happens sign clowny because like you said tim he'd go from three sacks to like 19 and a half for no real reason but uh, that's just what would happen uh, in a Belichick scheme. He just would destroy. Um, or they don't get clowny. Cam gets hurt. And like you said, we're uh, 
We're uh, in the uh, Trevor Lawrence Derby, so uh, we weren't uh, gonna say it. We weren't gonna say it, and he said uh, it. You could have just said sunshine. You could have just said sunshine. That would have been fine too. I thought uh, I said the 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 curse words has <laughs> speaked into existence. Uh, no, I hate it. If this is a what's bother <laughs> mini, what's bothering Jason? <laughs> you just, know, again, I, I do not fault any of these players for opting out, but. I'm still mad about it. <laughs> I love how this brings out all this just deep-seated uh, hatred, fear, uh, you know, denial. Just a lot of emotions about hating everything that the Patriots do. No matter which direction it takes them, we don't like what they're choosing to do. Tim, I don't know if you have seen this highlight. Uh, in, in college, Jadavian Clowney blew up a guy once. It's like a 10-second highlight that like only some people have ever seen, and that spoke to what he was going to be in the NFL. I don't know if you've seen uh, it. It was in a very important bowl game, too, for sure. It wasn't, wasn't a meaningless New Year's Day uh, Capital One Bowl or yeah, whatever Yeah, as it was. somebody who loves <laughs> offensive and defensive line play, particularly defensive line play, no, never seen it. Haven't watched it over and over and over again. Um, just... Before I knew that Jadavion Clowney was going to become a New England Patriot, you know. Now, now I'm never going to watch it ever again. But yeah, it was it was fun. While with all lasted, this, we'll put it that way. With all this being said, Clowney, please come to the Ravens. I'll never give up hope until you're on an NFL roster. All right. <laughs> so the last thing we wanted to talk about in the NFL uh, is a few sort of bigger names put on the reserve COVID-19 list. And Tim, I think you have those two names for yeah, us. Yeah, just, just a quick thing we should mention. Um, Matt Stafford, the big one, or, you know, arguably the bigger one, Gardner Minshew, with the Jacksonville Jaguars, uh, all kidding aside. They have been put on the reserve slash COVID-19 list. It's a list, and this comes from NFL.com, temporary injured reserve due to the ongoing coronavirus, and they can be activated off the list once they receive medical clearance which entails passing NFL slash NFL PA treatment and protocols. Um, there's no time frame for return. They can basically come back once they've been cleared, which is a good move by the NFL to kind of make this very um, flexible, I would say. And just real quickly too, Jace, I know you got quick words on this, but just the placement on this list doesn't necessarily mean that they've tested positive. It just means Stafford has had, or th- this is coming from the article talking about Stafford. You could put Minshew and everybody else who's been thrown onto this list as well means they've come in uh, close contact with someone who has contracted the novel coronavirus or them, them, the person themselves have tested positive, but the teams do not have to divulge that information, which obviously I think is, is a smart move. So expect to see more of this. And um, just Ravens players, please wear your masks. Like just self-isolate, you know, stay inside the facility and don't go anywhere else. Don't throw any crazy parties. Um, as we've seen a couple soccer players do in, in my line of work, or don't break pro, don't break any sort of protocol when it comes to quarantining. Wear the mask when you're outside. Just please, please, please. It's the last thing we need. Um, and, and and you know, overall, people just need to stay safe in general. But from a from a Ravens point of view, I would really like to see none of our players be put on that list. Yeah, it's. Um, I think that is important to note. It doesn't necessarily mean they had it, but. Uh... Still doesn't bode well uh, already to have two of the 32 starting QBs already end up on this list, like, one week into uh, preseason. Um, I mentioned it, baseball is not having a great time with their season uh, so far. They've had two teams basically derailed. Um, 
And so, I don't know, for now, they're going to be testing every day, I think, for the first two weeks of training camp. I think they're going to have to continue doing that every day throughout the season, realistically. Uh, they're at least benefited by baseball plays every day, and they're not testing them every day. Seems like a problem to me. But uh, it'll be fascinating if they can get this season off the ground. I hope they do. We've talked a lot. The Ravens are very good. They are going to be one of the best teams in this season. Uh so, um, yeah, it's it's going to be a season unlike any other. I, uh, it sh- it's shaping up to be, so definitely something to just keep monitored as we uh, go along here. All right, that's pretty much going to do it for us. The last thing remaining is to go over this random raven one more time. I'm going to let Jason, Tim, who I think have the answer to it, but for the listener... This random raven played in Baltimore for three seasons, from 2015 to 2017, mostly as a backup. But in 2016, he played in all 16 games, started 13, and led the team in rushing yards for the season with 774, which is approximately 500 less than the starting quarterback got for the Ravens (laughs) last season. After injuries hampered his 2017 season, he lost carries and the starting job to Alex Collins. He eventually had a cup of coffee with the Saints in the summer of 2018, but hasn't played in an NFL game since. He was drafted in the third round by the Cleveland Browns in 2014 and attended a college very well known by local Baltimore Ravens fans. I turn to my co-hosts here with, first, if if we're going to combo this, which won't be the biggest challenge, but we need the college and we need the player. Yeah, so interestingly enough, again, I mentioned this earlier in the program about interviewing him and he said he wasn't from Baltimore. His Wikipedia page says he's from Baltimore. So I don't... <laughs> completely threw me off. I'll never forget that. But it's just one of those blunders that happens. Uh, he went to Towson. Very close to where Antonio and I went to high school, um, and the player is Terrence West. Tim, are you saying that you pulled up the Wikipedia page on this player to answer the random? After way? I knew who the player was, I possibly okay. Did. Well, yes. I just you know I got to ask the questions there, but the, that it the answer is correct. It is Terrence Williams, Terrence West. It's not Terrence Williams. It's Terrence West, and it is Towson for for those Towson's of you in. In, the, in the Baltimore area and beyond who know of that. Not very football powerhouse, but they did churn out uh, Terrence West. Yeah, I believe Joe Flacco's brother go there recently. Mm-hmm. I, <laughs> so they had, I believe someone, there was a Flacco at Towson recently. Uh, yeah, Terrence West. Uh, no real memories of him. I, for some reason, thought he played for the Browns after he played for the Ravens. So uh, I had that order wrong. Uh, yeah, I, I, I feel like I... I had the answer basically based off of him being like, Terrence West went to Towson, but I have like no memories of him. Well, he got, one way or what happened was he got overshadowed by Alex Collins because they were both like the journeyman or like lesser profile running back who then ha- popped with the Ravens for a season. And it was West and everybody's like, oh man, West can become this guy. He's a local boy, hon. And then just, you know, it amounted to nothing. I think injuries, obviously, as you said, Antonio played a part. And then Alex Collins came in, and he had a cup of coffee. And then uh, they signed Mark Ingram, thank God. And Lamar Jackson came in, and the rest is history. Yeah. Plus, Alex Collins had the river dance going for him. That True. always stands out every after every score. That's the thing I remember. Terrence West went to Towson. My mom went to Towson, so shout out. <laughs> All right. 
guys, any final thoughts on some Ravens news, NFL news, the Washington football team, uh, the probability that we don't have a full NFL season? I hope we do <laughs> have a full season, but it'll it'll be an interesting uh, next month or and a half or so until the season kicks off. Some middling optimism by the pod like a Raven crew this week. <laughs> All right. We will be back once again in two weeks to bring you the news of Jadevian Clowney probably going somewhere. Uh, and then some other news, Ravens, NFL related. Thank you for listening to us as always. For Jace Evans and Tim Horsey, I am Antonio Barbera. This is Pod Like a Raven. We will see you in two weeks. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.